Casing the Cover is a monthly podcast where friends and library co-workers, Mary and Jen, review books, study the publishing industry, and try to unlock the secrets behind every cover. Can you judge a book by its cover? Join Mary and Jen on the case to find out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Casing the Cover, the podcast where we're, we're, we're hanging on, I guess. I am Mary with me as always is my co-host Jen. Hi, Jen. Hello from Planet Omicron, my tiny island in the midst of the COVIDs. Jen, Jen got the Rona. I got the Rona. She caught up with you. It, yes. And so I am here isolated, although I have my cats and I have my writing and it's not so bad on my tiny planet. My, my, what are we going to call it? C19 instead of B612? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> She's like, I'm totally missing. The what, what's ironic, right? Is that Jen thought she had allergies. Yes. And she was out for like two days and then turned out to be COVID. Yes. Whereas I have been assuming for the past three weeks that I have COVID and apparently it's allergies because I have had the icky throat for like days and days and days. And everyone in my house, except for me and my husband, so half of us got COVID this for New Year's. I have had five negative tests in two weeks. <laughs> COVID just refuses to acknowledge me. So I just want to tell you that I made the same face with the COVID test as I did with my very first pregnancy test with my son. <laughs> I was like, no, what? No, that's that can't be. And no, <laughs> I was vaccinated. <laughs> I was vaccinated uh, twice. Okay, I dragged my ass on the booster. I did not get my booster. So this is my penance, I guess. Yeah, this is this is your booster. I really do feel very good. I think I had one day where I was like, I feel like garbage. Today, I'm bored. I'm. It's weird, though, because like, you know, I'm never bored. I can do all the things in my tiny bedroom. I'm like, I'm recording. I'm doing videos. I'm doing my serial Vela episodes. No problem. But the idea that I'm not supposed to see people actually bothers me. Well, you also constantly have people at your house. I mean, I'm assuming no one's coming to your house on Sunday this week. Yeah, no. Uh, or the usual activities for Sunday are not happening. So, you know, you're used to having people in and out all the time. I wonder how you got COVID, Jen. You know, what's weird, though, is like none of them. You don't know who did it to you? I really don't because like, it. yeah, you're right. It has to be kind of the only group of people I walk around without a mask around. And that's such a tiny group of people and all of them are healthy. Uh, and I am also going to be super careful talking about how I'm doing great and I'm going to be fine. And this is going to be a great year anyway, because uh, another person that we all know and love had like what billboards and magazines and everything saying Betty White's turning 100 and then no. Yeah, except that 2021 took her. 2022 didn't. 2022 took Bob Saget. This is true. But I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should just be good. I'm going to be good, Mary. You're going to be good and hide in your room and not get into trouble? I'm going to be good and going to hide in my room. I'm not going to get any trouble. I'm not going to cause any trouble. For the next week. For the next, well, yeah. Well, you're actually, you're at the tail end, right? You're, you're, you're past the midpoint of hiding in your room. I am. I'm like, I have four days. Mm-hmm four days yeah that's not too bad which i mean you know i i can get a lot done in four days if nobody's allowed to be around me except you're gonna be bored no no guess who's editing the podcast this week i am editing the podcast this week (laughs) so i mean we haven't this is our first episode in months we took a kind of a break for the holidays because i mean the holidays were nutsy and also my mental health was declining as it usually is we didn't really do much for the holidays my sister in iowa got covid and didn't come home for christmas and then she was going to come the first week of the year and my sister in my house got covid and so we had to postpone again so at this point my goal is to not get covid before the first week of february after she leaves then i can get covid so what you're saying though is that sisters be they blood related or stepsisters can be kind of a pain that was a really 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 like shoehorned in uh segue there jen what are we talking about this week jen we're talking about Cinderella. I made you make the bad pun. That's awesome. 
we both read different versions of Cinderella this week. We are double, we're double dipping. We are involved with a book club. I'm not going to say where or how. You can message us though. We are involved in a book club in which we read adaptations of source material, same source material. Yes. This next month is Cinderella. And then we're going to be doing Romeo and Juliet. And I guarantee you'll we'll be double dipping multiple times because I do so very little reading. I have to double dip. Also, I really like this as like maybe our 2022 theme. You know, it's 22. We do two stories that are sort of related. It's a theme, Mary. We have sure. a theme. Sure. But this can't be all we do in 2022 because people are going to get bored. But we'll probably see a few peppered here and there. There's some weeks we might just like touch on, hey, these are the ones we read. They weren't very good or something like that. But at least at the beginning of the year, we each read a Cinderella. So we're going to talk about them. Which Cinderella did you read, Jen? I read My Fairy Godmother is a Drag Queen. Hang on, I want to make sure I get the name right. Yes, it's David Clawson. C-L-A-W-S-O-N. I read If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy. Is it Drag Queen Cinderella or is it just Drag Queen Fairy Godmother? Drag Queen Fairy Godmother, who, by the way, is my favorite character in the whole book. That's probably the point. I love this character. Mine is Chubby Girl Cinderella. She's plus size Cinderella. My kind of goal for doing this book club for the next couple of months is to find weirder interpretations of some of this stuff or less like, because I mean, okay, so Cinderella, let's go on a tangent just about Cinderella for a minute, because you know me, I like a weird adaptations of things, especially fairy tales. And I don't know how many adaptations of Cinderella I've seen, probably a thousand at this point. And a lot of them are very like, let's just do Cinderella again. So we can do the pretty dress and we can do the fairy godmother and we can throw some songs in it i'm talking about you camila cabello jen doesn't know what that is i have no idea uh that was amazon's version of cinderella last year there's i feel like there's generally two cinderella adaptations that generally are most seen a is the typical just a new fairy tale version of it often it's a musical the disney ones follow that there's the rogers and hammerstein cinderella there's into the woods the new one on amazon is fantasy-esque vague historical time period musical a lot like that. The other kind of prominent Cinderella is the Cinderella story, which are a bunch of teen rom-coms. And they've literally made a dozen of those and a dozen copies of them. Mine definitely would make a fabulous musical. And I don't like musicals. <laughs> Does it fall though into like the vague period, time period fantasy or the weird teen rom-com? Or is it pretty not along those lines? It is weird teen rom-com. There is no magic. So spoiler alert, no magic. Mine also does not have magic, but mine's also not a teen book. It's a adult romance. I wouldn't say mine is necessarily teen. It says that it's written for like age 14 and up. I'm not sure 14 year olds, I don't know if they would read this. Like, I feel like this is like definitely 16, 17 and up. And I enjoyed the crap out of it. I thought it was fun just because I'm weird. Except the ending was kind of rushed. Mm, yeah, mine too. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. Okay, maybe we go like character by character or segment by segment. But we got to talk about the covers first, for sure. I think we should probably go one than the other because... I think they're going to be different enough that they might not all hit the same elements. Okay. But in general, this is kind of how hopefully we're going to do our book club a little bit too. Your general Cinderella story, right? What is the blueprint of your general Cinderella story? Impoverished girl, stepmother and step siblings of some sort, or not necessarily impoverished girl, but impoverished person. It's not always a girl. Usually has some sort of step parents or siblings. Occasionally it's a shitty boss in some versions of Cinderella adaptations, but someone holding her down. There is a fancy person that she or he finds and marries through some sort of magical ball or party. There is usually a transformation of the main character through magic or makeover. Drag queen magic! And there's usually a leave behind of an item. Typically a shoe. But not always. And those are kind of the conventions of Cinderella that most people recognize. They are in some of the earliest versions of Cinderella. Like I think like the earliest version of Cinderella is like an Egyptian version of Cinderella. Yes. 
where it's like the king of somewhere marries some like slave girl not necessarily evil stepmother but it's the rags to riches story right yeah there's always some like class disparity happening and usually this person you know then rises to prominence through through marriage but not always again modern cinderellas don't do the marriage thing so much i think the elements we're looking for are you know rags to riches impoverished person there's some sort of bully there's usually a transformation and then you know a prince and a ball at the end so i think we should kind of touch on how our stories handle those elements or if they change or forgo those elements yes and i think also i would like to cover the cover elements of how do we know it's a cinderella story just by the cover because i don't know if you've got your cover up and ready to go but i've got mine up and ready to go And I got to tell you, I have totally been brainwashed by Disney because my number one clue for this being a Cinderella story is the color of the cover. It's funny because mine is also totally influenced by Disney. Oh, okay. That's another thing that maybe needs to be addressed. I think Disney has, especially with Cinderella, Snow White's another one. But there are certain like moments in a fairy tale or a mythology or whatever. There are landmark adaptations of it. Cinderella, of course, the landmark adaptations are first the Grimm brothers. There's another, there's a French adaptation where most versions of Cinderella now come from. The second big landmark is Disney. I think a lot of modern Cinderella stories are incredibly influenced by Disney, even the ones that aren't made by Disney. And you see this with some other stuff too, like Wizard of Oz, for example. Wicked Witch in the books is not green. Every single version of Wizard of Oz that makes a green witch, that is lifted from the 1930s movie. So there are pinnacle things in our lexicon that change the way we see that adaptation going forward. And I think it's very evident that Disney has some touch on this. I think this mine is actually published through Disney's publishing company, but it's not like a straight up Disney adaptation. Are you just now realizing that Disney has a publishing company? Is that the face you just made? No, the face I made was that you read something that was like Disney, but I don't know. It's not, but it is. Okay, you're going to go first, then I'll explain. Uh, Okay, we are. Do you want to do do both covers first? All right, let's do both covers first. So show me your cover, Jen. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. Hang on. I don't know if we can both, I don't think we can both screen share at the same time. No, that's okay though, because I will, I will show you mine first. All right, here we go. Here is mine. Can you see that? There it is. All right. I I would make it bigger. Actually, I think I do have a bigger one. Ah, there it is. Okay. That is My Fairy Godmother is a Drag Queen by David Clausen. So the elements on this that totally got me as like, this is Disney is it's blue and glittery and it has the star on it that looks to me like the bibbity bobbity wand. Like the wand? Yeah. All right. Show me yours. Okay. Okay. First of all, Jen. Oh. And this is where Mary's going to come in as the the Disney snob of the podcast. So you're saying blue and glittery, I'm assuming because of her dress. It will, yeah. So the original dress isn't blue. The original dress is actually silver. Disney has fucked up your brain with marketing. It is only since Disney Princess has become a brand that Disney has actually changed the color of Cinderella's dress in marketing to make her more recognizable. And then they changed Aurora, even though Aurora in the Sleeping Beauty film wears the pink dress less than the blue dress. They market her in the pink dress because it looks different than Cinderella. That color of blue that you're associating with Cinderella is just the Disney brand fucking with your head. They do that. Her dress is actually silver and there's actually um, a great thing. It's a modern girls video about how the dress messes with your brain. It's Mandela effect, Jen. Her dress is actually silver. It's not blue. I got Mandela affected. Actually, I just got mouse affected. (laughs) It's the Mandela mouse. (laughs) Her dress, people conceive it as blue because in the parts where they're like outside and it's almost midnight, the shadowing makes it look blue. But when you see her go down the stairs, it's actually silver. The other thing is that because they have re- Remastered, yes. They lost so much detail in the dress via the remasters that her dress doesn't look the same as it used to. Go watch the Modern Girls video. It's really good. Yeah, that shade of blue you're associating with Cinderella. It also doesn't help that when they made the remake, the live action remake, they made her dress definitively blue to be on brand with their existing- Well, okay. But the cover of this is also blue because Cinderella is a boy. Oh, because Cinderella is a boy. Anyway, let's see yours. And now that I've given you, now that I've given you a diatribe about how Disney's fucking with your brain, I'm going to show you how they're fucking with your brain on my book. 
Oh no. Because it's the same, it's the same shit. So as you can see, she's in a blue dress. Oh my gosh. Actually, because the cover itself is very blue. In fact, it's the same colored blue as mine. Yeah. Her dress does look more silver. It does look a little more silver, but it's described in the book as blue. So there you go. So I did the the shoe fits and this is plus size Cinderella. And your cover was just like a glittery background with the title on it. Yes. Mine has the big title, but it also has the little characters on it so that you know it's a rom-com. There are palm trees in the background because it's in LA. The Cinderella of this book is meant to look like a chubby modern version of the Cinderella from the Disney cartoon. She's got her hair up in the in the blonde bun. She's got the black choker and she's in a modern interpretation of a ball gown. She's wearing a high-low, which I hate fucking high-lows. I just hate them. When I worked for the bridal shop, that was my least favorite thing to put on a shelf. And I feel like they're one of those kind of like styles that's supposed to be i'm on a rant just what happens when we haven't talked in months jen i know it's gonna be a best episode ever they're one of those styles that i think they usually try to put on not young skinny petite women for those of you who don't know what i look like i am a fat woman and the thing about fat women in fashion is that they dress you like an old lady if you're fat you must be old and also you must be tall so you must be frumpy is basically what happens is you wear shit that doesn't really quite fit you because it's too tall for you and also it's made for your older grandmother so i'm a little annoyed by the fact that she's wearing a high low <laughs> because high lows are those things that only exist in the mother of the bride section of the bridal store and occasionally in prom dresses but she's wearing a blue high low which again like you said because it's against the very blue background looks almost silver this is is so influenced by the Disney Cinderella, it's not even funny. Yeah, yours definitely has that look. Whereas mine, like you said, the the blue is not really the right blue and it's all glittery. So it doesn't necessarily have to. It does invoke the fairy godmother who in the Disney cartoon is that darker shade of blue. She's kind of a periwinkle. Yes, and it does. So yours focuses on the shoe. Mm-hmm. And mine focuses on the fairy godmother part. Yes. Yours takes place in LA. Mm -hmm. Mine takes place in New York. Okay. I also would like to point out that your person missing a shoe is the boy. Yes, she's holding his shoe. Because the boy in mine is missing a shoe too. He's not Cinderella. She's Cinderella. Okay. But she's also a shoe designer. Okay. My drag queen is also a fashion designer. Okay, so so two different versions of Cinderella. They're both fashion designers. Ironically, so is Camila Cadeo. (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna, my goal is to not rant about that movie before this podcast is over. I'm gonna be good. I'm already lost in the, in the weeds of it's all about fashion. It is. And part of this book also takes place in New York because it's fashion. Is really the Cinderella story all about the clothes make the person? I think that's a modern adaptation of it. Here's the thing is I think when you lose the magical makeover element of Cinderella. The next kind of thing is, well, how do you get the makeover? How do you get the transformation? Fashion. Fashion. I feel like when there's not magic involved, that's a really easy place for people to kind of go, oh, well, we'll just use this other me. Like I said, the Camille Cabello one, which also has the magic fairy godmother, but also she's a fashion designer. It doesn't work. There's another one coming out, I think on Disney Channel, where it's it's a boy Cinderella. He's also a shoe designer and he, he wants, he's a sneaker designer. It's not an uncommon thing, I don't think, for the fashion element to be involved in Cinderella stories. The other reason is because Cinderella is a story for girls and girls like dresses. So we'll make it fashion. But mine is not. I know yours is not. I'm saying in general, Cinderella is considered to be a story for girls, right? In general. So I think that's the other reason why you see fashion a lot in Cinderella stories is because they go, what else do girls like? They, they're they here for the boy and the dress. Yeah, mostly the dress. Do we want to start with yours or do we want to start with mine? You start. Okay. Mine is a LGBT one. The main Cinderella character is a boy named Chris. Let's get a little on the nose with the name. In fact, it's Chris Bellows, which makes me think of like bellows you use in a fireplace. Yeah, that's their Cinderella element. If they wanted to go more on the nose with it, they could have named him something like Cole. Oh, that would have been good. Oh, I'm totally, I totally should write to this guy and be like, you missed the mark. That shoe did not fit. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, wait, what is yours name? It's Cindy. (laughs) 
You want to talk about on the nose names of my story. Half of the names in this book are ripped from the Disney movie. So the main character, he is actually not really abused by his step family. It's just he and his father who was widowed uh, when he was very, very young. So he grew up just with his dad and his dad was working and very working class person. And so Chris ended up having to do most of the housework stuff, which is kind of how it goes when you're the only child of a single parent. You have to do most of the housework stuff. But his father at some point makes it into some money. They don't really go into why or how, which I get that that's not the point of the story, but also I kind of want to know, like, what did he hit the big like stock market? I, I don't know. But anyway, they never go into it. Dead relative. Right. So he he hits hits it big. They end up moving into this really nice place where he meets who will be Chris's stepmother. They meet her and her two children. One is Kimberly and the other is like, I don't know, bro name of the week. I can't remember his name anyway. But <laughs> also stepbrother and stepsister. Yes. So a stepbrother, a stepsister, and they all move in together because that family is suffering from some financial issues. And so together they figure their stuff out. Well, then apparently something happens. And this is another big thing that I'm a little concerned that they didn't touch on as much. Dad apparently commits suicide because of financial loss. Fuck. I'm like, that's okay, dark. that's dark and tragic backstory, but also, like, can we have some catharsis here or something? Cinderella stories don't often go for the suicide avenue. Couldn't dad have just died in an accident? I don't know. It's like the fact that this leaves Chris in his mid-teens as the stepchild to this woman and her two children. They easily could have kicked him out. They easily could have said, you know what? We've got enough financial burden as it is. We haven't known you that long. Whatever, you're out. No, they try to be a family. But again, here's the class disparity thing. They have, none of them have ever had to do any housework or anything. So when their financial issues don't get resolved, they have to like let go of their servants. They have to let go of like the maids that they had. You know, they had staff. They were rich enough to have people like in New York City, they were the wealthy. And then they basically have her family's old apartment that's kind of like it's rent frozen and great, but also not in great shape. So Chris is the one kind of doing the handiwork. He does, he makes breakfast for everybody, he cooks and he cleans and he, he does the Cinderella stuff. He does not see it as being necessarily put upon. He feels like yeah, okay, they're they're a little bit spoiled and they're kind of a pain in the butt, but I grew up different and so this is how it is. For the most part, the family is like, they're negligent at best, but they're not hateful or cruel. They're just kind of rich and dumb and self-absorbed. So you kind of can't hate them, even though the mom is kind of annoying. She's a big time wine bitch and like, yeah, she's drunk the entire book. But not straight up abusive. No, like you can tell that she's like just too self-absorbed to be caring but also like her daughter is the one who's gonna save the family because she's gonna marry the pretty daughter off to the wealthy son of the politician who has like great aspirations and there's all kinds of stuff there going on so it kind of looks like she's the Cinderella so Chris the the defining shoe moment is when Chris tries to you know see his family off to the ball, which is the big autumn ball in New York, which is where they're going to meet the Prince Charming character and everything's going to go hunky-dory. They leave him and he's, you know, he's just kind of on the doorstep and making sure they all go off. And it's not, he's been abandoned. It's just, they don't have that much money and they wanted to make appearances. So this is what they did. They spent all the money on her dress and her jewelry and her makeup and her hair and whatever to make her pretty. Go, go save the family. They leave and in stumbles... Chanel Cleopatra Jones. Oh my God, I totally got the name wrong. But oh my God, this character is the book. And I don't care what anybody says. Chanel is a pretty common drag queen name. Coco Chanel Jones. Sweeps in, has been kicked out of the taxi, broke her heel, all this stuff. She's a mess. And she goes, do you do you have a bus pass or something? Can you help me out, kid? You know? And he's like, and she's like, wait, wait, you look sad too. So like she takes a moment to assess. I got a minute. 
tell me your problems, which is super sweet. And so he's like, yeah, my family just went off to the ball and, you know, eh, I'm not sad, but you know, I don't feel so good about it. And she's like, oh no, you're sad. So you're coming with me because it just so happens I'm performing there. So you're going to get me a transit pass and we're going to go together. Performing there and no one got her a bus pass. I know. That's why I'm kind of confused. Like she was going to take a taxi. She goes, no, go get dressed. We're taking you to the ball. And he's like, well, I don't have anything, you know? And so like, she just goes off on him about how like his clothes are awful. Everything is awful, but let me at least get you a good pair of shoes. Of course, this is where the shoes come in. So the other two drag queens, there's three drag queens total in this group. They all meet together just outside this thing. And one of them apparently also works day job at a men's like clothing fashion store. So brings a pair of shoes and a suit and the shoes don't fit. They're too big. Surprise, right? So that one can fall off. So that one can fall. Mary's already written the story. Good job. It's Cinder- it's Cinderella, Jen. It's not rocket science. I'm going to fast forward this because I don't want to tell the whole story. But basically the shoe situation becomes like he's chasing after the shoe and ends up kicking it off and Prince Charming catches it. That's what it is. It's like so sexy because Prince Charming catches it. And he's just immediately smitten. It's so amazing. It's- now his family doesn't know he's there. So his sister's coming down the hallway looking for Prince Charming character. And he's like, oh crap, that's my sister. I gotta go. What happens is Prince Charming like starts dating this kid's sister as his beard essentially to get close to Chris. That's kind of messed up. That's mean. I'm a little not okay with dragging her along. Right. Like not telling her because the other thing is that like when Chris finally comes out to his family because he hasn't when he comes out to his family they're all like well yeah we knew and we're cool with you. The sister loves him for it. The brother is like whatever and there's this whole thing about bro full on gym rat bro bro as like not got eyes on the drag queen but like has no problem with like the drag queen sitting on his lap and everything (laughs) and like so I don't know there's this whole big thing with like the family is super accepting so that makes it to me even more kind of cruel that they they're basically cheating on his sister right stepsister which that part to me is I guess you kind of blow it off because it's teenage thing he's 18 Prince Charming is 20 I don't know I guess you blow it off because they're young and they're stupid the whole thing goes into this big deal about how you know social media sees things one way this kid can't admit that he's gay because you know he's got political ideals basically well no he's a politician's kid so like even though like his parents his parents too are like super into the LGBT outreach and all this stuff. But for some reason, neither one of these kids feel like they can be honest about who they are. Whatever. It's kids being kids. I thought it was a little rushed at the end. Again, there's this whole scene where the drag queen fairy godmother makes the gowns for the sister and the mom for this big New Year's Eve thing. He, as I think his name is Dwayne, when he's not in drag, he goes to the event, the first event, in like a suit and tie and looking very slick because he's like, I want this to be attached to me, not something I'm doing kind of for a side gig. I thought that that was kind of cool too because I feel like there's a lot of almost misrepresentation too that like drag queens this is what they do all day long very few drag queens I think can actually make a career out of it and most of the ones that do can because they basically are influencers right you know people who have appeared on drag race then go on to have a million zoom you know a million followers on whatever social media and that's really the only way a lot of them can make it their full-time income because doing a couple gigs a week at a club isn't really a full-time income some i'm sure sure it is but when you live in a little town and you go to your local club a couple nights a week you're it's not paying all your bills or even a big city and you you're not a big name. I feel like from a performer standpoint, being a performer myself and having people go, oh, is that how you make your living with this persona? No, I do not want my belly dance personality to be what sells my books. They're two separate identities. And I love that they make that point. Maybe that is my cue to like pass this on to you. 
Okay, my book, If the Shoe Fits. My book is Plus Size Cinderella, which kind of comes into play on occasion. It's more like they acknowledge that she's chubby and occasionally it comes up when it comes to the fashion. It's not really, doesn't really have a role to play in the story because honestly, who cares? You can tell that story with anybody, right? But so my version of Cinderella is a recent college grad who can't get her shit together because her dad died and she's having a hard time of it. So she goes from New York where she's just finished school you know learning to be a designer she's into fashion she really wants to design shoes because she's cinderella her name is cindy because of course it is i think her name is cindy woods so woods and bellows which woods is kind of a weird one for cinderella i guess because wood burns i don't know yeah i don't know cinderella none of cinderella takes place in the woods that's a different fairy tale also they could have named him ash yes exactly he actually gets used as a um cinderella replacement a lot too in a lot of adaptations yeah so she goes back home to live with her stepmother and her stepsisters and her half siblings so in this version of cinderella she's got five siblings not too because her mother her stepmother decided to have surrogate babies after her dad died with you know there yeah two of the younger siblings are jack and gus which are the names of the mice in the disney animated cinderella okay it took me a minute but yes the mom the stepmom is tremaine which is also the name of this disney cinderella lady tremaine i don't think it's her name in most versions mine are fontaine's fontaine yeah it's kind of close and her sisters are anna and drew which in the disney animated they're anastasia and drizella they definitely went with the disney versions which i'm now realizing that the disney imprinted this which makes a lot more sense because i don't think they would have gotten away with that otherwise in this version again kind of like yours the step family isn't that bad they're kind of just a little out of touch and the reason why she goes home is so that she can be a nanny for her younger siblings her mom is this big tv executive and her sisters are influencers and her mom runs a reality show called before midnight which is a dating show it's basically the bachelor only there's a party where you go to a ball but everything else about it is the bachelor she on her way to back to la meets a guy on the plane that's the shoe moment she loses her shoe getting into the seat or something it falls off and that's when he finds her shoe beginning of the book that's the same thing with this one meet right at the beginning right at the beginning that's also an element of most modern retellings of cinderella whether they're no matter where they're set almost every new version of cinderella they already have met or know each other they already know each other from school they meet in the woods they have a meet cute because no one accepts this idea that you fall in love at first sight and marry a guy you don't know in a modern context good even the ones that are set in that fairy tale landscape they have a meet cute first ever after does it the new disney cinderella does it cinderella story sure he knows them because they go to the same school the new camille cabello cinderella they meet beforehand that's just the thing they do now you can't just meet at the ball i like them i guess in mine they do officially meet at the ball she meets Prince Charming on the plane. His name is Henry, which is not the name of the prince in Cinderella because he is the one that's actually Prince Charming. The prince from Cinderella is actually Prince Charming. All the other Disney princes are not Prince Charming. They all have names, even though half of them don't have names in their movies. The other prince generally referred to as Prince Charming is the one from Snow White. And his name is like Ferdinand or some shit. Tangent, come back to reality, Mary. They meet on the plane. Brady, she assumes she'll never meet him again. Her mom is running this dating reality show and they're short two contestants. And so they decided they're gonna put her sisters on the show cute they're they even though they're a year apart they're almost identical they do everything together it'll be fun it'll be an element whatever the producer is also like what about cindy and her stepmom's like no not cindy that's fine cindy doesn't need to do it and cindy gets all butthurt because it's like oh you don't want the fat girl on the show and so she pushes to be on the show more because she wants to be an example than anything else. So the stepmom is like, well, you know, it's not that I don't want you on the show because you're fat. I'm just afraid that they'll bully you. And her stepmom's fine. Her stepmom's not a bitch. She's okay. But it just comes off that way. It's just like the family for this kid. Like they all kind of harass him in weird ways about at some point it comes to light. It's like, no, dude, we're just siblings. We're picking on you. I almost feel like the the mom in this version is more like 
she's just out of touch. Like she just doesn't know Cindy well enough to actually be supportive. And she's like trying, but not quite getting there, I think is kind of the vibes you get in this situation. But yeah, they went with nice stepmom, which is a thing that we're seeing more and more now too. Nice stepmom, which I don't think it's the whole don't hate other women thing, but they don't have a villain. And she gets on the reality show. And of course the guy on the reality show is the guy she met on the plane. Cause of course it is. They spend the whole dating show sneaking around behind everyone's backs and being cute and whatever. Her sisters get voted off. She's one of like the final three and she thinks that he's going to pick her and the producers tell her, you're not making it to the finale. We want you to be the next Bachelorette and we are, he already knows who he's picking. We already, he already, you know, we've already figured this out. This is already set thing. He's picking the other girl. Sherry thinks that they have this connection and that he's going to pick her but then the producers basically tell her, no, we already decided who he's going to pick. We want you to come back and do this again because the audience loves you so she's heartbroken she goes home and watches the finale of before midnight which it's kind of weird because this is a world in which it's a cinderella story where the idea of cinderella obviously already exists or why would you have a show called before midnight she refers to him throughout the whole book as prince charming which i it's a it's a world in which it's cinderella but cinderella already exists yeah meta you know she doesn't go to the finale even though they tell her oh we want you in the finale now she doesn't go she gets a job interview goes back to new york and watches the show live and he walks out of the show because she doesn't show up because he does love her of course he does and he just burned both their careers to the ground because the whole reason he's doing the show is because his mom's a fashion designer and they need um, media attention and stuff. And so she goes to work for somebody else. And at the end, he comes, he's happy that she gets to her career and she's making a pair of shoes that remind her of him. And he bought her the pair of shoes, the fancy designer shoes she got to wear on the show. And that's the happily ever after. The ball is a reality show. There's not like a set ball. They have multiple parties throughout the show. Same. So there's no set ball. And the shoe moment is kind of part of the meet cute at the beginning. The stepmothers are nice. We're running into a lot of the same elements of what they decide to change. This is interesting because at the beginning of this, we were saying, I don't think a lot of ours are going to touch the same things. And yet they touched way more than I'm comfortable with. Mine doesn't have as much of a set fairy godmother, though. Like the transformation moment isn't as prominent because in within the context of this book, she's a fashion designer. And so she's already into being cute, being pretty and all this. The transformation quote unquote moment is just when she goes on her big date with him, she gets to wear a fancy designer dress. And so I guess the wardrobe department is her fairy godmother like there isn't really a transformation moment which i kind of appreciate because i think they didn't want it to be like oh the fat girl needs a makeover yeah and like in mine the transformation moment really happened for the mom and the stepsister it's gay boy cinderella but we still gotta get a fancy dress for the girl Right. They still got a fancy dress for the girl. And the fairy godmother still made the dress for the girl. He didn't make him a suit. See, that's, I think, the biggest, not downfall necessarily, but I think the biggest challenge of gender swapping Cinderella is that very thing. Because the glass slippers and the magic ball gown and all of that is such an iconic element of Cinderella that it's just not as impactful when you don't do that moment right. And like, again, there's the modern, you know, the modern girls, the same person that did the video about how the Cinderella dress isn't blue did a video basically comparing all the different versions of the Cinderella gown and when the Cinderella gown is underwhelming you feel let down and I will say on the flip side of this having actually witnessed both within like a week of each other this is before my wedding my brother and my son my son at the time was just barely 20 and my brother was just barely 40 so my brother and my son were at an age where they both needed a new suit they needed a nice quality, not super fancy, but just a good suit. So I took both of them. This was my wedding gift for them being in my bridal party instead of buying them some chintzy thing that they were just going to collect dust somewhere. I took them and I got them nice suits tailor-made for them, not rented. They both, like they put the suit on and my brother is this, let's be honest, he is an upstate New York redneck who wears a cowboy hat and thinks he's awesome. I, I love my brother, but, and my my son looks like Shaggy. So like, <laughs> like there are things here, but when they put on the suit, they like put the jacket on and they did kind of the shrug and the, the lapel thing. And they both stood up a little straighter and I witnessed a transformation and it was the exact same transformation. And to me, it was very Cinderella. 
But here's the thing. The put on the nice suit, you look good in a nice tux, that in media is marketed to men as James Bond. That is what my dad said when he put on a tux for my wedding. I look like James Bond. The tuxes for the boys cost $1,200 because my Groomzilla needed Vera Wang tuxes. They looked really nice. Yeah, I think we both had Groomzillas. <laughs> he really wasn't that bad, but they, they looked really nice. My dad said, I look like James Bond. The sex symbol to emulate of the person in the suit is James Bond. It's an action adventure, gets all the girls. But Cinderella, again, is not a story marketed to men. It's a story marketed to women. So when you have a Cinderella story, which is marketed to women, let's face it, a lot of LGBTQ media is also marketed to women. And most romances are marketed to women. So even though you put a, it's a gender bent, it's a boy Cinderella, you still got to put the pretty dress in because you know there's girls reading it and they're mad that there's no pretty dress. And again, maybe because I am not the demographic for the story. I will say, though, I enjoyed the crap out of the story. It was awesome from beginning to end. I loved the characters. I felt for the characters. I really cheer in all the way. And and Chanel was my, I loved the drag queen. She was absolutely brilliant and wonderful. And I loved how when she put on Chanel, she was Chanel. And when she was like, no, dude, you have to call me Dwayne. And I think part of the reason why I really like that, I do have different personas. I dress up and I'm like, please don't call me that when I'm not in that costume because it feels weird to me because there is a difference. I think though, with because of social media, you now have drag performers who got fame from things like RuPaul's Drag Race or Dragula. They are now one and the same. If you see Bob the Drag Queen out of drag, he's still Bob the Drag Queen. If you see Bianca Del Rio out of drag, you still call her Bianca Del Rio. If you see Bendela Creme out of drag, he's still Bendela Creme. Don't, literally don't know what any of their names are, except maybe that Bendela Creme's name is maybe Ben, but I don't think it is. But I also feel like that's because they have kind of like, it's like Alva Elvira. Elvira is the same thing. You know, what's her real name? You don't know. So many people are like, I don't know Elvira's real name. Where their persona has kind of taken over who they are as a person because the, the persona is so big. There are also drag queens who use their own name as like Chad Michaels is a pretty prominent drag queen. And I think the reason why he uses his own name as a drag performer is because he was as a Cher impersonator. So when he was on stage, he was Cher. He wasn't Chad, but he couldn't call himself Cher because he's not Cher. There are other drag queens who just use their own names. They don't have a drag name. Before we get too far off the rails with this, I also want to show you, I want to super duper cringy. And I realize that our people are not going to be able to see this, but I need you to see this. And I think they'll be able to hear it. I showed the official trailer, the book trailer. I fucking hate book trailers. For my fairy, oh, you're going to hate this one. I will leave a link in the description for this one where I will send it to you, Mary, to do so. We should do an episode on book trailers. Oh, we should. Put that in that jar where we keep all our ideas and we just shake it up sometimes and we pull stuff out of it and they go, I don't want to do any of this. And we just throw it back in the jar and we put the jar under the desk somewhere and then it collects a bunch of dust until the next year when we, after we've skipped putting out four episodes because I forgot or because COVID happened or whatever. And then we go, oh yeah, we're going to do an episode about this. Put it in there. Okay. <laughs> I think they're trying to make Remember what I told you I was going to make this a short episode? Yeah, I remember. And I also remember telling you that I was going to be bored while I was recovering from my COVID time. And I I'm needed something to entertain to you, Jen. I know. I am entertained. Okay. Let's watch this thing. Okay. you Can you see it? I can see it. Prepare to cringe. Is this real? Are you sure this was not done for some school project? This is real. This is... That looked like it was shot by high schoolers. That was bad. One, it does look like it was shot by high schoolers or college students. Two, they didn't read the book. <laughs> because the lines that they took are his stepbrothers. So the lines that they attributed to Prince Charming guy were his stepbrothers lines in the book and also like can we talk about the t-shirt oh yeah the t-shirt says diversity diversity feminist inclusion i'm like are those supposed to be things that people have used to describe the book are they like supposed to be like buzzwords from reviews i don't know but it and then all the characters from the book are holding the book yeah but most of them aren't even characters in the book there's a bunch of shirtless men there's a bunch of shirtless men again this is a ya book this is a ya book again i would 
would say that it's like probably 16 and up rather, because it does talk about some pretty heavy subjects with the, with the suicide and things like that. There's some stuff in there that I'm like, I wouldn't you go in as you watch this book trailer, like, oh, hot, sexy, shirtless men, suicide. I know. I'm like, this is not what the book is about. They clearly did not read this book, really misrepresenting the meaning of the book because you have a bunch of these shirtless, young, kind of sexy guys. Oh, this book is full of a bunch of sexy gay guys. And one of them is Cinderella and the rest are not. And no, two guys, if anything, they're described as geeky. Chris especially is described as kind of like adorable. He's cute. You know, the only one that is described as sexy in that gym rat kind of way is his stepbrother. And his stepbrother is presumably straight. Although he does say a lot of things and do a lot of things that you're like, what are you? The point is that like, that's not what the book is about. It, this book, the way they portray it, almost looks like gay porn. It's literally, it's clickbait. But clickbait. it's like really bad. And that makes me super uncomfortable because it really is on every page you go looking. There's this new thing I've noticed that, you know, that you targeted ads on um, Facebook. And what I've noticed lately is that I get these ones for, probably because I'm on like Webtoon and stuff and I'm in like a Webtoon group and, where they show you some random image, usually either like a badly Photoshop romance covers or they show you like an actual picture that they ripped off the internet somewhere either from like TikTok or from a movie or something where they show you some like weird illustrations usually anime and then like they'll have just like an excerpt from the book and it's always some of that like Omegaverse shit with the alpha and the betas and crap and you'll get the same company advertising the same story with the same clickbaity verbiage on it and they'll change the images okay. it's, almost, it's almost like those really bad like mobile game ads oh yeah but for like self-published ebooks yeah and this makes me really uncomfortable because like i really hope so there is a book trailer for two of my books is does actually exist so that i know of there may be more book trailers which makes me uncomfortable that's the point the book trailer for my pirate book is super cute it was done by somebody who recorded a couple of our stage shows and took clips of that and did like a person walking on a beach and then they kind of dropped the book on the beach and then put a sword in front of it and it's cute and and it's like, all right, I get what this is. But I would be really concerned if somebody took like, oh, well, it's called Blackstrap's Ecstasy. So it clearly must be pirate porn and did something with that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is out there? I know there is smut, fan smut about my pirates. I know it exists. I know it's out there. Jen, if you have any monochrome of success, there is smut about you. Oh God, that's so scary. Like even real people anymore. There's smut about like bands and shit. People write after series or whatever is literally like a fan fiction about Harry Styles that they made into a book. And he's a real person. He's not a character. He's a real person. I know it's so weird. It makes me super uncomfortable. But anyway, I thought you needed to see that trailer. That was so awful. I hated that. I feel like we've talked a lot about Cinderella and bad book covers and awful book trailers, representation and misrepresentation. I did like that both of the Cinderella's we read were kind of more like progressive takes on Cinderella. Like they weren't just like another fairy tale version. But, you know, they're progressive until they just focus on fashion. Yeah. And you said the ending of yours felt rushed too? No, the resolution, he just shows up and they make up and it's fine. So giant spoiler, three, two, one. The shoe that he was wearing the night of the ball, the fairy godmother gets a hold of it again. And at this big Valentine's Day heart association function where like everybody thinks that Prince Charming is going to propose to Kimberly, who's the sister, and he's totally ready to just to keep his front going so that he can be a politician and he can do all this stuff. The fairy godmother like hands the shoe to the gym rat brother because he knows that he can chuck it really far and with accuracy. And they land the shoe right on the podium in the middle of his talk about how love is important and loving yourself and all this stuff and being with the person who makes you really feel like yourself and just plonk. 
there's a shoe. And so, of course, he turns around and walks right up to Chris and, like, plants a big one on him instead of on Kimberly. And it's like, okay, well, you just outed the both of them. And you embarrass this poor girl. Publicly. That thing is, that's like a total rom-com. Total thing that would happen just in, in, I mean, even this, like, the guy walks out and embarrasses all these poor girls who are waiting to get a proposal. Embarrassing the other person is, for some reason, a staple in rom-coms that I don't think is necessary. No, I don't think that that's necessary or kind. And here we are trying to make the, the stepmothers seem kind. And on the flip side, we're basically making Cinderella and her Prince Charming the most narcissistic duo ever because they don't care about anybody else. They're just willing to like throw it all away for each other. That's kind of how couples work in a lot of rom-coms. There's a joke in like an SNL bit about Hallmark Christmas movies where it's like, oh, my, my fiance works a lot. So it's okay if I cheat on him. A convention in a lot of rom-coms where it's like make the, the person they're with now seem as bad as possible so that it's okay for them to get with the other person. Alternatively, when the other person dumps their whoever for you, it's like, oh, it's okay because I didn't love you really anyway. You know, when he dumps the, the sister because he's really in love with you. She goes, it's okay. And they, they did this in this book too. One of the sisters, before she gets booted out, she she self-eliminates like Ben Villacrem because we're talking about drag queens. She is like sleeping with someone, one of the stage hands or something. So she doesn't actually want to be there. So she self-eliminates. But like, it's okay. You're not going to break my heart if you get the prince instead of me because I'm really in love with the commoner. Like they do that in a lot of Cinderella stories in general. You see that a lot in not all of the modern Cinderella's, but you see that in some where like one of the sisters is nice and the other one's a bitch. So you can still play against the one sister, but the other sister falls in love with somebody else. And she doesn't really want to be the princess. She doesn't really want to get the prince's hand. She just wants to be fine and happy and she's cool. And you see that even Disney has done that with their bad Disney animated um, Cinderella sequels. Griselda, I think, no, Anastasia gets a baker boyfriend because she's the good sister and she doesn't really want to screw Cinderella over. I'm going to rant a little bit about Camille Cabello. Okay. Because the best thing about her movie is probably the fairy godmother or fairy godparent in that version because the fairy godmother in her version is Billy Porter and it's supposed to be like kind of a non-binary fairy godparent. Billy Porter as a performer works. What doesn't work is that Billy Porter's dress is prettier than Cinderella's. Like his outfit is a thousand times better than hers is. And even though you get the fairy godmother to show up and give you the magical outfit, it's Cinderella's design, but she doesn't make it, which is kind of weird. It doesn't quite work. Cause like the one I read, she kind of gets to be her own. Like I said, she's her own fairy godmother. She dresses, she makes a fashion for herself because it doesn't fit her. And like, if you're going to go with the fashion version of Cinderella, she's got to be her own fairy godmother, right? Yeah. She's got to be the one that makes it herself. Whereas you then bring in someone else to give her the makeover when she's supposed to be the designer. It's kind of superfluous. Yeah, it feels weird. Doesn't quite work. I really hope that with all these adaptations that we're hopefully going to talk about, I, I really hope that there isn't this constant, as they modernize it, we lose the, I don't know, kind of, I guess the essence of the story. And I realize that to some degree it is, it's a very dated story. It's the girl trying to get the rich guy so that she's not poor anymore. I get that. It is a super dated story. It's also like she's trying to get the rich guy. I think she wants to be included in the, she happens to be the one that meets and falls in love with the prince. She happens to be the one he chooses because she's virtuous. He chooses her because she's not into him. All the other girls are there to fawn over him. Cinderella's just there to have a good time at the park. Says every maiden in the land and they tell her, no, bitch, you can't go. And she goes, yes, I can. Fuck you, I can go. Yes, that is, you know what, Mary? We've got to write each our own Cinderella story. No, there's too many. Literally, there's more versions of Cinderella than like any other story ever. You know that I drafted a Cinderella story that- That's right, you did. We did do Cinderella, didn't we? Yes, I think I think that you and I should revisit those. Jen's trying to make me do work. Go away, Jen. No, it's for our fans. Aren't we going to Patreon this year? That'd be a perfect thing to Patreon. Come on, Mary. I don't have time. Uh, COVID, go away. You're just like, oh, we have time to do all these things because you're stuck at home. You feel fine and you've got five more days to kill. That's why you want to do shit. Five more days. Uh, okay, we need to go. Shall we wrap? We shall. This is our first episode. 
episode of 2022. And it's a mess. But so are we. I'm a mess. But it's okay because we're going to transform like Cinderella. I have no expectations for 2020. It's 2022, Mary. Also, I think what's really going to happen is that Mary's going to figure out through her fairy godmother how to throw a shoe at me through Zoom. (laughs) I'm going to go do some self-care and watch some Encanto. Fuck Cinderella. Go watch Encanto. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much for cracking another case with Mary and Jen. To learn more about Casing the Cover, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Casing the Cover. To contact us or suggest a book, email casingthecoverpod at gmail.com. New episodes of Casing the Cover release this fourth Tuesday on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. <laughs>